Hello, Parkview. Yeah, good to see you guys uh, this weekend. So glad you got up and uh, you're here all around Chicagoland, all the campuses, everybody around Orland, uh, everybody at Homer Glen, uh, New Linux, everybody watching online. This is week number two of If You Like Pina Coladas. And I'll tell you this, I, I never really imagined I would be preaching and teaching in a series named If You Like Pina Coladas. Uh, I really didn't, but it's a fantastic series, and we're talking all about relationships in this series. And if you were around here last weekend, uh, Pastor Tim kicked it off, and we talked all about marriage and having you know, your best life with your mate and how you do that. And so if you missed that, I, I hope that you'll go back and watch it. It was fantastic. This week, we're continuing on into a different season of life. And today, we're going to dive into the single season of life and those who are maybe dating and that sort of thing. And I want to tell you this uh, right up front, that if you're in a single season of life and you're dating, by the time we get done with the study today, I'm going to tell you who to date. I am. I'm going to tell you exactly who you should date. So, so don't leave, okay? Don't, don't take off out of here. That, this is going to be very important information for you. So who to date? In, in fact, I, I wonder, is, are you curious how many people around Parkview, on all of our campuses, all around Chicagoland, would say that they are in a single season of life? Uh, I asked that question to our team, and we found it in our database, and I was incredibly surprised. Here's the number of people, 6,871 people around all of the Parkview campuses say they're in a single season of life. So, so they're probably in some level or another dating or that sort of thing. And now this number can be all kinds of people, right, around here. It can be the 16 or 17-year-old, you know, uh, these people are just kind of cutting their teeth on dating. They're just kind of figuring this out and how it works. And this could be the 20, 21, 22-year-old guy who's just kind of trying to date everyone he can, right? And, and just, it, you know, that happens, right? <clears throat> um, it, it could be the 30-something-year-old uh, young lady who really wants to date, wants to be engaged, really wants to be married someday, but it's just not going as fast as she wishes it was. And everybody keeps reminding her of that, Right? Hey, you really need to start dating. You need to get married. The clock's ticking. You know, we want kids. It's brutal, right? Are you kidding me? This number could include, you know, the, the person that's in their mid-40s who has been married for 15 or 20 years. And then unexpectedly, their spouse passes away. And all of a sudden, this person, and I know they're all around Chicagoland here, all of a sudden, this person find themselves in a season of life that they never expected to be in. They never expected to be single in this season of life. They never even thought about dating again. But yet, because of the circumstances of their life, here they are. That number could also include maybe the 50, 51-year-old, like I sat by on the plane a few weeks ago, I was flying all the way across the country, so it was a long flight. And as soon as we, you know, got to the place where we could get Wi-Fi, this guy got out his tablet. And for nearly four hours, he logged onto this website uh, for dating, and he swiped left, swiped right. Swipe left, <clears throat> swipe right. He was just swiping left, swiping right with all of these different, you know, girls. And, and so I, I know all of this, and I know how old he was because I asked him, and, you know, because I'm a preacher, so I talk to everybody, so be careful. You know, so I'm, I'm like, what's going on? What are you doing here? He was doing it for hours, you know, and writing little messages to these people. And he said, well, you know, uh, we, uh, the kids are gone. My wife and I just separated. Uh, the divorce is final, and I'm just trying to figure out how to do this. 
I never thought I'd be here. I'm trying to find somebody who's, who's like could be a match for me. And, and, this, and I'm just like, wow. And maybe that's where you are around Chicagoland, any of the campuses around here. Maybe you're thinking, Todd, listen, I'm part of that number and I never thought I would be in this place in my life. I didn't plan for it to be this way. Or maybe some of you are married around here, a lot of you this weekend, and you're thinking, Todd, okay, this will be great. I mean, this is good because there's, you know, like 7,000 people who need this, but I'm married, so I'm done dating, right? Well, I would say to you that's partly true. Uh, The fact that you're married means that you're done dating multiple people, right? But you're not done dating, right? You and I should still be dating the person that we're married to even after we're married. Somebody say amen. Okay, you just, you just should be. So it applies to all of us. In fact, listen, here's the season of life that I'm in. I have a kid, a son, who's getting ready to go to college. I have a daughter, Ruby, who's getting ready to get married in just a couple of months from now. It's hard for me to say, May 20th. I know people live through this, but I'm having a hard time with it. And so what that means for me is, as he goes to college and she gets married, what it means for me is, is my wife and I, we, we are getting ready to be empty nesters, okay? And that's scary, you know, for me, because what we have just started to realize in the last few weeks and month is pretty soon, it, it's, it's like just us. It's going to be just us, which again is, is, is pretty cool, and, and we like each other about 90% of the time, so it's, I think it's going to be okay, but, but it, it's, it's kind of crazy. And here's what we've discovered. Here's what I've, I've, I've learned in looking at people who are in empty nest seasons. Here's what happens to people in empty nest seasons. Sometimes couples separate when they go into empty nests. The kids are gone. They don't have anything more in common, and so couples just separate. Okay? That happens to people who are in empty nests. Another thing that happens is they become roommates. They just kind of live their own life. They, they go independent. They still live in the same house. They share bills and things like that, but they just become roommates. And then here's another thing that happens is couples start dating again. When the kids are gone, when they're in their late 40s or 50s, they go back and start dating again like they did when they were 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And that's what I want for me. That's what I want for my wife. I want us to start dating again. So even a message like this this weekend, when we're going to talk about dating and love and intimacy, it applies to me as well in my life. And I hope it will apply to you. I know when it comes to dating and love and romance and all that, it's so hard to figure out sometimes for anybody in that season of life because there's just so many expectations that go along with it. And, and we get mixed up on this even when we're little kids figuring out how all the dating and love and romance works. In fact, take a look at the way sometimes kiddos see this. Some questions for kids. What do most people do on a date anyway? Martin, age 10, says, well, on the first date, they just tell each other lies. (laughs) This usually gets them interested enough for a second date. Okay, so I think Martin's kind of got it down. He's kind of figuring out how a lot of this, unfortunately, works, right? Or, Or what about this? Is it better to be single or to be married? Anita, age 9, says, well, it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys, because boys need someone to clean up after them. So again, Anita's got this figured out, like kind of how all this works, and she's positioning herself, right, for, for, this, for this whole thing. Or uh, what about this? How do people in, typic, in love typically behave on a date? Wendy, age eight. When a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, I kind of feel for Wendy's husband, you know, who, or whoever, he's got a lot of pressure there, you know. <laughs> 
I didn't fall down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Or what about this? This is the guy's and the girl's perspective here. What are some surefire ways to make someone fall in love with you? Dale says, uh, tell him you own a whole bunch of candy stores. Camille says, shake your hips and hope for the best. <clears throat> Right, so you just kind of shake your hips and hope for the best. And, and I, you know, we don't know a lot of times. All the way from when we're little kids, we don't know exactly how to date, how to be married, how, how to court, how to be engaged, what it all looks like. It, it's just difficult. And, it, and what I have found in talking to guys, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys through 20 plus years of, of ministry and life. Guys, you know, we have expectations too. And, and what happens a lot of times with our expectations is, is we put together kind of this person who does, you know, who is just kind of this conglomerate of, of a person. Guys, a lot of times, are in their minds. They don't say this out loud, but they're kind of, you know, looking for this kind of supermodel swimsuit type person who also is, you know, super modest, needs to be super modest, and have a devotional life like the disciples, right? So it's just kind of all those things all, all put together. Guys are kind of looking for a girl, you know, who, who comes from lots of money. She needs to come from lots of money because you want to inherit that money someday. But she also needs to be okay living on nothing, right, for right now, because we got nothing right now. Guys are kind of looking for a girl who's super social. I mean, she needs to have lots of friends, so she's not just always on me. She's got to have all kinds of friends and doing stuff, but I don't really want her to ever be with those friends because I want her to be with me most of the time, that sort of thing. So it's, not, it's no big deal, right? We're just kind of looking for that person that we've kind of put together in our minds from all sorts of things. And, and girls, ladies, you're not a lot different when it comes to dating and love and engagement and romance, stuff like that. A lot of times, girls, you're, you're just kind of looking for a guy like this. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, Chris Hemsworth, you need, you need a Thor in your life. You need somebody like him. You need him. He also needs to be able to sing like Adam Levine from Maroon 5, and he needs to be able to quote scripture like Billy Graham and fix things like your dad. And You know, right? It's no big deal. It's no big deal. And, and here's what I want us to realize. Here's what I want us to realize, Parfew. Listen, oftentimes the person that we want to date doesn't even exist. They don't exist. They're a conglomerate of a person that we put together from all different things and movies and talks and conversations and different seasons from our life, and that person doesn't even really exist. And what our world does in this season of so many people's lives is it just airbrushes this season of who we're looking for and, and, the, and the sexuality of the person and the beauty and the attractiveness of the person. The world literally tricks us into thinking different people exist and just airbrushes this part of our lives and world. It's true. And take just a minute and watch this short video. You'll see. right? Guys and girls, she doesn't always look that way. You know, he's not always going to look that way. 
It's just, it's just the way it is. And, and here's, as we move in to this study and in this season of life for so many people, here's what I would encourage us to do. We need to get to the place where we exchange our expectations for God's expectations. And when it comes to love and romance and dating and how we're doing it and who we're looking for and, and that sort of thing. So the question is, what, what, are, what are God's expectations and what is God's guidance for this season of life that so many people find themselves in? Well, if you have a Bible today, I want to ask you to get that out and open to Ephesians chapter 5. If you have a smartphone or a tablet <clears throat> or however you locate scripture, Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to learn some things from God's word, directly from God's word, of how to really navigate a single season of life. Last week we were in Ephesians chapter 4 with Pastor Tim. He shared some great truths about marriage and getting along with your mate. This week, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about some things for this single season of life. And so here we go. Let's dive in. If you can read this, if you're taking notes, write these things down. They may be for you or your kids or your grandkids or, or someone. But the first thing is this, that we should be imitators of God. We need to be imitators of God in this season of our life. The very first part of Ephesians 5 says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's so easy in this season of life to, to just you know, imitate the world and how the world dates and how the world, you know, gets engaged and does love and romance. It's so easy to just compare ourselves to other people we know and say, well, you know, I may not be you know, doing this perfectly, but I'm doing it better than she is. I mean, look at her. Are you kidding me? Look at him. Look at that couple. They are out of control. We are doing it pretty good compared to them. Right? And that's what we want to do a lot of times. We want to just imitate and compare ourselves to the world. But look at what the Bible says about that in 2 Corinthians. It says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. <clears throat> our goal, our goal isn't just to compare ourselves to someone else in this world and just imitate this world and be just, a, I'm doing it a little bit better than what the world does in this season of life. Our goal is to be imitators of God in our lives, especially in a season where you find yourself as a single person. And maybe you're thinking, well, Todd, how do I do that? How do I, I mean, seriously, let's just be real. How do I imitate God? I can't see God. God's he's like invisible to me. I don't know how to like imitate God while I'm dating. How does that work? I'm glad you asked. Here's how we imitate God. We imitate God by exhibiting the fruit of God's spirit in our lives. The fruit of God's spirit in our lives. And maybe you have heard of the fruit of the spirit of God, what God does inside of us. It's found in the book of Galatians in the Bible, chapter 5. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. That goes well with dating, romance, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things are ways that we would imitate God. And, and live towards him instead of just the world. And you may be looking at this thinking, Todd, those are all great. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can pull this off, especially like the self-control part. I mean, in, in my dating life, that, that's, just to be honest, that's going to be a difficult one. I'm not sure I can do that. And you know what I would say to you? I, I'm not sure you can either. I'm not sure you can either on your own. I'm not sure you can pull this off, young people, 
single people, whatever season of life you're in. I'm not sure you can pull this off on your own. And, and you know what? Here's, here's what's crazy. God is not asking you to do this on your own. He's just not. That's why it's called the fruit of the what? Spirit. Everybody say spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of the person who gets with just the right person. It's not the fruit of the person who tries really hard to do this. It's the fruit of the spirit of God in your life. When when you and I have God's spirit come into our life, he allows us to live and love and date in a way that we could never do that on our own. We got to be sensitive to exhibiting the spirit of God and imitating God in our lives. And by the time we get to the end of the study today, we're going to come back to that whole part about the spirit and how important that is for us in our lives, especially the single season of life. But, But if you're taking notes, the first thing would be, hey, listen, folks who are single, don't just imitate the world and how the world does this part of their life. Be imitators of God. Here's another thing in Ephesians, and that is to be pure. And you would probably expect that when we're talking about this season of life, to to be pure. But Ephesians goes right on and talks about that. It says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Be pure. I want us to realize also, as as we think about this, that, that being pure and being perfect are not the same thing. No, no one is, is going to be perfect, especially in this season of their life. No one's going to be perfect, period. It's just not going to happen. But you can strive to be pure moment by moment. And day by day. Let, let me explain to you what, what I mean just from my life, like right now as I'm living it. When I stand here on a weekend and on the stage and I, and I preach and, and teach, here's what I want you to know. I am not perfect. I'm not. And I know some of you, you know, it's like shocker, you know. <laughs> He's not, no, I'm not. Believe it. Ask my wife. She will be very clear with you. He is not, okay. I'm not perfect. But I want you to know this. As I stand on this stage, I have consecrated myself to God and spent time with God. And I do stand on this stage just as pure as I can possibly be before you all and before God. I do. I take that very seriously in in my life. And a lot of times, it takes me a whole lot of time to write, prepare, research, get ready to preach. It, It does. But sometimes it takes me even longer to prepare myself than it does the message. Is that crazy? It takes longer to prepare me than it does the message. You know why? Because I have all kinds of jacked up weird stuff in my life and my mind, just like you do, that I got to get past. There's, there's pictures and things in my mind that I've seen or somebody's put there that I got to get out of there. I got to spend some time confessing that and giving that to God. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect, but I can be pure and consecrated towards him. There, there's things, there's, there's greed in my life where I just want to get things instead of give things. And, and i got to say, God, I'm all about giving, not about getting. Just, just put that out of my mind. There, there is obscenity, there is coarse talk, there is foolish joking, all of those different things that it talked about. I hear those in my life, I hear those in movies, songs, I, they get into my mind, and I've got to put that out of there. I, I cannot stand here perfect, but I can consecrate myself to God, 
come to him in confession and and say, God, I, I want to be as pure as I can possibly be as a person for you. And guess what? You can do that too in any season of life. You're not going to do it perfectly, especially those of you who are in a single season of life, but you can consecrate your life and be pure before God moment by moment and day by day. Here, but what if, just what, what, what if, what if you're getting ready to go on a date this week, okay? And, and guys, you, you get to her house and you pick her up for a date and you're in the car and you're getting ready to go. And before you put it in drive, you reach over and you grab her hand and you say, hey, let's say a prayer. And she, she thinks you're coming in for a kiss, but you're coming in for a prayer, okay? You're like, you're like changing up. And you grab her hand and you, you say, God, I just, I just pray, God, that you would give us Pure eyes on, on this next couple hours. God I, God, I just pray that you would be with us and, and, and guard us when it comes to our lives and, and our purity. And God, that, that you would allow our hearts and our hands. You don't have to say it like I'm saying it now because it's kind of preaching, right? So you don't have like in the car going, God, that would be weird. But you can just, you know, God, 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 help, help us keep our hands and our hearts in the right place. God, help us be pure for these next three or four hours, and God, help us chase after you. What if you did that? What if instead of coming in for a kiss, you came in for a prayer? That, that would change things up. God, we just want to be pure before you. What if when you were dating, you decided that it was not just about what you want to get from somebody in dating, because that's greedy. We talked about that in Ephesians. That's greed. It's not just about what I want to get from someone. It's about what I want to give to them. It's what I want to give out of my life to them. What if you decided to do that in your life? When you're in the single season of life, when you're dating, listen, you're never going to do it perfectly. You're just not. But you can strive to be pure in this season of your life. You can. You can strive to be pure moment by moment by consecrating yourself to God. And I know as I say that, listen, I know this, this can be kind of emotional for a whole lot of people, thousands of people actually, around Parkview. Because maybe when it comes to purity, let me just address this for a moment. Maybe when I start talking about purity, some of you get a little antsy and a little off because you feel like maybe you lost track and got off track when it comes to purity a long time ago. And maybe you feel like you've done some things with somebody that you, you, you probably should have never done. And even this weekend, as you sit here, you, I start talking about this and bringing this up. You, you feel a little bit ashamed about it. You feel a little bit embarrassed if somebody had known. You feel a little bit you know, guilty about it. You feel, you feel mad. You just feel mad about it. You feel mad at that person that took advantage of you. You feel mad at yourself. Maybe right now you're feeling mad at me. You're like, Todd, I can't believe you're bringing this up. I'm, I mean, I'm coming to church and you're, you're upset at me right now. I mean, that, that, that happens, right? And here, here, here's what I want to say. If you have those things in your past, your past does not have to define your future. Amen? And, and you can't go back and change all those things. But what you can do right now this weekend is you can say, look, I'm going to start to not imitate the world. I'm going to start to be an imitator of God. And I'm going to strive for purity in these moments in this season of my life. I just feel like there's someone around here this weekend who needs to hear me say this. Listen, start this weekend. You can get a fresh start. And you can strive for purity even this weekend. You can, no matter where you've been 
in your past. You can strive to be pure. And you can do this. You can be wise. Ephesians goes on to say that we need to, we need to be wise in this season of our life. We need to get counsel from people in this season of our life. Look at this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's been about four years ago now that my daughter Ruby, back in high school, and she started dating. She's getting married now in just a couple of months, right? It's like a snap, right? It's, it's crazy. But when she was back in high school and, and she started dating, I wanted to just pour wisdom into her as much as I could about dating and romance and engagement and courtship and sexuality and how all that works. So I wrote this article on my blog. I write this blog and, and I wrote an article uh, for Ruby and this is what it said. It was nine prayers for my daughter who is now dating. Nine prayers for my daughter who is now dating. And I'll, I'll put this up on my Instagram if we follow each other on Instagram. I'll put it up on Facebook later this weekend so you can see all nine of them. But, but this is stuff that I prayed over her and wisdom. We had the conversation about this when I wrote it and we had conversations in weeks and months after that, when she started dating this guy that she's engaged to now, we went back over these things that we've been seeking and praying, the wisdom. Is the guy that you're getting engaged to right now, is, is he that kind of guy that we've been praying about and seeking? And I just want to read a couple of these to you because maybe for you, this is something you could adopt and pray for if you're single or if you have kids or grandkids, you could do this. Here's like one of the first things I, I said, Ruby, seek a boy who is willing to wait for physical intimacy. Okay? Not that you're going to be perfect in this or he's perfect in this, but seek a boy who's willing to wait for physical intimacy. And then the next thing was a picture of this ring that Renee and I gave to Ruby. When she started dating, we gave her this promise ring. And there's that picture. And then here's a few of the words I wrote. <clears throat> Renee and I gave Ruby this promise ring last year. It's the ring that I gave Renee when we were first engaged. I reminded Ruby that this ring is a pledge to save herself or her future husband on their wedding night. I pray there's a boy out there somewhere right now who is also being brave, guarding his eyes, monitoring his hands, and putting a gatekeeper at the entrance to his mind. And I pray that Ruby and this boy will one day meet. Just praying those kinds of things, putting those kinds of things into the lives of people who are single, not being imitators of this world, but being imitators of God. Here's another thing that I wrote to her. Seek a boy who already knows God. Seek a boy who already knows God. Here's a few of the words. There's a big difference between a boy who knows God and a boy who is willing to know God. There are plenty of boys who, after meeting Ruby, will be willing to get to know God in order to get to know her. Right? My prayer for my daughter is that she would find a boy who is already chasing after God even harder than she is. I pray that she would find a boy who leads her to greater understanding and intimacy and deeper dependence upon God. Not imitating the world, but imitating God. Here's just a few of the other things. Somebody who knows how to work hard. Somebody who's willing to listen. Somebody with passion because Ruby's all full of passion. Somebody who tells the truth. Somebody who's not going to lie and deceive her. Somebody who has a track record of telling the truth. And here's the truth of all these things that we're studying today, Parkview. The, the truth is, how do we, how do, we do this? How, how do we, you know, imitate God? How, how do we be pure? How, how do we be wise? How, how, do the, how do we actually even do all of those things? 
It's the last thing I want us to see in Ephesians, and it is this, be filled with the Spirit. This is what this section of Ephesians chapter 5 ends with, being filled with the Spirit. That's how we do life, but especially a single season of life. Take a look at this. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. When I read this, when I think about Ephesians 5, 17 and 18, especially, and I put it through the filter of those who are in a single season of life, those who are dating, a lot of times I think about, you know, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I get this contrast in my head a lot of times because our dating world, I think you're probably aware of this, our dating world these days is dominated by alcohol. It just is. You, you, want, you want to hook up, you want, you want to go out, you want to go out to the bar, you want to go out to the club, you want to get a drink, I'll, you, I'll go get a drink, you want to get a drink, let's go, let's go get a drink, I'll get a drink. And, and it's always about going and getting a drink. It, it's just what it is, it's dominated by that. And, and, and what Paul is saying here is he's saying, hey, listen, 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 don't be filled with alcohol, be filled with the Spirit. It's very different in this important season of your life. Rather than lowering your inhibitions, raise your standards. Rather than numbing your senses, which is what alcohol will do, raise your standards, which is what the Spirit will do. And he says here, listen, he says right there in Ephesians chapter 5, you can look it up on your phone, your, your tablet, your, your Bible. He says, listen, don't, listen, don't be foolish, folks. Don't be foolish and think that you can navigate dating, courtship, engagement, sexuality on your own, marriage on your own. You need to be, I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And the way you and I then can love and date and be engaged and be married is through the empowering of God living in us. And I know this is a mystery. The Bible says it's a mystery. But when you and I come and accept Jesus into our lives, when we are baptized into him, the Bible says that his spirit moves in. God, this is, I don't even know how all this works, but God lives in you. He lives in me. And he allows us to do life in a way that you just couldn't do it on your own. It's incredible. And that's what we're aiming for. That's what we want to be in our lives, empowered by God's Spirit. Now, let me pull this all together and tell you just a little bit about my life and, and my dating experience. I, my wife, Renee, and I, now we're married, been married for quite a while, but we met when we were 15 years old. We met at a church camp in Colorado. She was from Oklahoma. I was from Kansas. We, we saw each other, and when I was 15 years old, it was the big 80s. I've told some of you this. I was looking for basically two things in someone to date. I was looking for feathered hair and braces, okay? It was the big 80s, and I saw Renee across a fire. She had this huge feathered hair, and she had huge braces gleaming off the fire. And I was like, what? Are you kidding? And so we like fell in love and we dated all the way through high school, long distance. We dated all the way through college. We got married before our senior year of college and we basically never looked back. And here's what I want you to know. Renee and I, my wife and I, we have an incredible love story. We really do. But even greater, here's what you need to know, even greater than our love story is our life story. The story of our life. 
And I want to share this with you, especially those of you who are in a single season of life, because I think this could be important to you. Renee and I, you see, before we even met, we were already running in the same direction with our lives. Before Renee and I even met, we were already running towards God. We were spending time in his word. We were wanting, we weren't perfect, but we were wanting to chase after him with our lives. And Parkview, you know what happens when two people decide to run towards God and not just towards each other? You know what happens? It's a pretty amazing thing. T- take a look at this. Let me show you what happens. So like here's Todd, okay? Here's me. And here's Renee over here. And she has the little thing over the E, by the way. Okay? It's very important. And here's God. Well, what happens is when you have two people, Todd and Renee, and they don't just start chasing each other, but they start chasing after God. Renee starts chasing after God. You know, she's 15, 16, whatever you are, 20, 30 years old. Renee starts chasing after God. Todd starts chasing after God. Instead of just chasing after each other, you know what happens? As she chases after God and I chase after God, the closer she and I both get to God, what else happens? The closer we get to each other. So we're getting closer to God, she's getting closer to God. I'm getting closer to God, she's getting closer to God. But we're also at the same time getting closer to each other. And and that's just kind of the way it works. You follow after God, you chase after God, and by doing that, you actually both come closer and closer and closer to each other. You know, when it comes to our, our, our world of dating, it's so oftentimes what people will say is this. Okay, Todd, here's the thing. I'm just looking for the one. I'm in this single season of life, and I'm just, I'm looking for the one. I need to find the one. And, and, and here's what I would say to you, maybe to reorientate that. Maybe you're not looking for the one. I mean, what, what, if, what if God was the one in your life, and you're looking for, for him, and what you're actually looking for a lot of times is, is the two, right? What, what if God is number one in your life? And so what you actually said is, I'm not looking for the one because I already got the one. What I'm looking for is the two. I'm looking for the two to go along with my one, Right? In fact, if you want to test this this week, if you're dating, you could actually start out the date by just, girls, you could look across at the guy and you could say something like this. You could say, hey, I just want to let you know, by the way, that you will never be the one, okay? Because I already got the one. What I'm actually seeking is the two. I need the two to go along with my one. What I'm actually looking for is I'm looking for somebody who will be a number two in my life to go along with the number one in my life because I want somebody who will seek God after me and he's always going to be one in my life. So you could be number two, but you're never going to be number one. And, and how would that change? and rearrange our lives if we were both running after God. We'd get closer and closer to each other and closer and closer to him. And I know some of you right now are thinking, Todd, that's fantastic. You know, thanks for using geometry in a message. That's fantastic. And, <clears throat> but here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I stuck around, and you said you were going to tell me who to date. And I don't know who to date yet. And so, like, I need to know this. This is going to be important. And so here, here's the thing. For just the last uh, couple moments here, I'm, I'm going to be able to tell you guys who it is you should date, okay? So let's come over here and uh, <clears throat> sit on this little park bench. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take off my regular shoes here. These are my regular old, these are like my preaching shoes this weekend. And I'm going to put on my, these are my running shoes. These are actually my running shoes. I've had them for a long time. They don't, they don't get much use. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're, I've had them for years. <laughs> they look brand new, don't they? Um, so... What I'm going to do is just fit on my running shoes. And, and here's, here's what I would say. Listen up, those of you who are in a single season life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this weekend. I want you to go home, and I want you to put on your running shoes. Put on your running shoes. Maybe not physically, but mentally. Put on your running shoes. And I want to ask you to just start this weekend. You run as hard as you can after God. 
Forget about him or her, who you're looking for, where you're looking for him, where you're going to find him and all that. Put on your running shoes and you just start to run as hard as you can starting this weekend after God. And you start spending more time at church. If you need to spend more time at church, if you're a student, you start going to youth group. You start reading the Bible in the morning or the afternoon. Maybe you get involved serving around here. Maybe you go on a mission trip. Maybe you get involved in Rooted or something like that. But you put on your running shoes and you just start to run as hard as you can after God. And once you start doing that, maybe it's been a couple weeks or a couple months, and you know you are chasing after God, here's what I want you to do then. When you know you're chasing after God, you got your running shoes on, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just look to your right and look to your left. And I want you to notice who is running alongside you. Who is running after God alongside of you? Who is building their life on the firm foundation of God and his word? Who is trusting in God and his son Jesus in their life? Who is running alongside you? That is who you date. That is who you date. That person who's running alongside you, chasing after God. Let's pray. God, thanks for this time. Thanks for this day. Thank you for your word that does not leave us high and dry in any season of life but that you give us wisdom and counsel and guidance for how to, how to date, how to be in love, how to be engaged, how to be married. God, I do pray that we would not just imitate this world, but we would be imitators of you by your spirit, that we would strive to be pure in our lives, that we would seek wisdom from you and from others. God, I pray that there would be many this weekend that go home and put on their running shoes and they begin to go after you as hard as they can. And as they do that, they would realize there's others running alongside them too. And you would bring them closer and closer to each other as they get closer and closer to you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your son and your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.